I love chocolate. Or we say, oh, don't you just love it when your football, my football team wins? Or we, we use it in so many different contexts. But if we're going to actually really have a revolution of love, the first thing, well, one of the things we need to know is what actually is love. So that's what I want to look at today, what is love. And the fantastic thing about the Bible is it has this great passage that actually tells us what love is. Now, probably already some of you know what passage we're going to go for because this is a passage that not only do most Christians hear lots of, but even those who've never opened the Bible would have heard at least part of this. It's 1 Corinthians 13. Oh, sorry. That was... Okay. So... I want to tell you a bit about the, about the Corinthian church before I go to 1 Corinthians 13. Now, the Corinthian church wasn't a lovey-dovey, we're all in love with each other and isn't this fantastic kind of church. It was a church that was actually in disunity. This is what Paul tells us in the beginning of Corinthians. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and there be no division among you that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some for Cleo's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. So Paul is off somewhere else. The church in Corinth is going along and Cleo has decided to go tell Paul what's happening because that's how big the deal is. So this is not a lovey-dovey church. This is a church in disunity. So when Paul is writing about love, he's actually saying, this is the kind of love I want you to have not. This is the kind of love you do have. So let's have a look at 1 Corinthians 13.4. We've got to jump into verse 8 because the people who did the whole verses, I think, should have moved it a tiny bit, but that's just my opinion. So let's read it. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That is such a great summary of what love is really is. And if we have a look at all these things that love is, wouldn't it be great to be loved like that? Wouldn't it be great to have someone who is patient with you, that gives you time? Wouldn't it be great to have someone that doesn't hold the things that you've done wrong in the past against you? Wouldn't it be great to have someone who isn't looking after their own self but actually thinking about you? I have brilliant news for you and that is that God loves you like this. In 1 John, it actually tells us that whoever does not love God does not know God because God is love. And when it says God is love, it's not talking about an airy-fairy love. It's talking about the love that we find in 1 Corinthians 13. Because God is patient. Second Peter tells us, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand soulless. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I don't know about you, but I am so pleased that God is patient with me. I am so pleased that he does not 
just the slightest provocation from me, which I give him lots, come and bring his judgment. He is patient with us. Not only is God patient, but he is kind. Psalm 36 tells us how precious is your loving kindness, O God, and the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. God is kind. God is not easily angered. Lots of people in the world think that God is some angry God just waiting to pounce, but he is not easily angered. Psalm 103 say, the, says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. God is not self-seeking. I love this verse in Philippians. It tells us, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being in human, being made in human likeness. God keeps no records of wrong. A verse that I hope you all know, Psalm 103. As far as the east is from the west, so God has moved your transgressions or your sins um, from us. God is love. And God loves you in an amazing, everlasting way. I've just got to turn the page so I know what the next thing is. Cool. If we keep on looking at 1 John 4, we see that this is how, after it says that God is love, this is how it continues. It says, this is how we show that God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loves us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. This is the kind of love that God wants us to have for one another, the kind of love that he has for us. But so often, things stop us from loving how God loves. And I don't know about you, but for me, it basically comes down to fear. Fear in many different forms, but often it is fear that stops us from loving how God loves us. But if you kept on reading in first John verse 4, you'd get to this fantastic verse in verse 18 that says, Perfect love drives out fear. If we know the perfect love that God has for us, it actually drives out the fear, whatever that happens to be. Um, I mentioned before that hopefully this mic would get my voice sounding nice. Um, and as you probably can tell, I've got a speech impediment. I slow when I speak. The air comes out the side of my mouth and not out the middle. And for many, many, many years, I have despised my voice. I have, my mum tells me that you should never say hate, but I have hated my voice. That's how strong an emotion I felt towards it. Um, I come from a family that my parents love God and are very strong Christians. And I've been to church from, I think mum said from when I was five days old was the first Sunday that I turned up to church. Um, and so I've, I've known that God created the world. And I never have doubted that God created the world and that he created me. 
But my logic said, if God created me, when it came to my voice, he made a mistake. And who wants to be reminded of their mistake? So for a very long time, I thought that God wanted me just to stay in the corner, don't disturb him, have nothing to do with him because he doesn't want to be reminded of my awful voice, which he mucked up. And my logic went, well, if God, the creator of the universe, doesn't like my voice and wants nothing to do with me, why would anybody else want anything to do with me either? And so for a very long time, I assumed that people put up with me. Not that they liked me or wanted to be my friend, but they put up with me because they had to, because I'm sometimes nice, because of anybody else, because of my family. And when I was at church, there were so many times when I'd go up to a couple of my friends and I'd say to them, oh, Nick, Pace, that was, their names were Nicola, or oh, Pace are in the banker, but anyhow, Nicola, um, come and there's someone new, come and talk to them. And I would point at the new people and get them to go and talk to them. Because my theory was this, if I spoke to them first, never going to see them again. They'll hear my voice, not like it, not want to have to put up with me, leave. If they get to know everybody else and then get to know me, then in balance, everybody else is great, I'm not. They'll put up with me to be with everybody else. So that was the mindset I had for many, many years. I would go to parties and I would assume that no one wanted to talk to me for too long, so I'd only give really short one-word answers. And then, of course, they would leave to go find someone else thinking, oh, Tanya doesn't want to talk, and I'd go, see? Told you. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy thing. But the fact was, I'd been to church, I'd heard all about God, and I'd heard that God loved me. But my conclusion was, that applied to everybody else but me. So he loved anybody else you could think of, but because he made me, he made a mistake, didn't want to be reminded of the mistake, wouldn't love me. But there came a point where I had to make a decision, and the decision was this. Was I going to actually believe, not just in my head, but in the depths of my soul that I was loved by God? And as you probably can tell, I decided that I was loved by God. I decided that despite my thinking, despite me not liking my voice, God wanted me to have the voice that I have. That was a long process to get to. But I came to the conclusion that the love that God had for me was so overwhelming that the fear of being rejected by him was driven away. But that doesn't mean that the thoughts aren't sometimes in my head, and especially in a new situation. So Matt and I, a couple of years ago, moved officer looking for a church, heard about Catalyst, came along to the Vision Sunday, heard Mark share and went, yep, this is the church that we want to be along to. So we started coming, but we knew nobody. And when I say nobody, I don't just mean there was more people we didn't know than we did know. We knew nobody. We'd never seen anybody. Everybody was telling us what a great preacher Mark was and we'd never heard of him. We'd never heard his voice. We hadn't seen what he looked like. We'd never set eyes on anybody. <laughs> We're still here. It's okay. <laughs> um, and so um, 
the fees started going, oh, no, new people, they don't know me. The first thing they're going to hear is my voice. How's that going to play? But I did a pretty good job, I think, of going, okay, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to talk to people. I'm just going to do it and ignore the fear. Then we had a picnic at Bron and Dave's place. So we all, I don't know if any of you remember, but early on we had a picnic. We're all in their backyard. The kids were playing with the dogs on the trampoline and sitting next to Matt. And, um, and part of me thought to myself when I was, oh, good, people can meet Matt and I and they'll love Matt and they'll like, and then I'll get by because he's so good. Like, so I dream, he covers me. Um, so sitting next to him and talking to the people around us and I um, see some people over the other side of the circle and I think, okay, I'm going to go chat to them. And so I move my chair, go and sit to them, start talking and within five minutes one of them says, um, oh, are you deaf? And I go, no. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't think I've missed part of this conversation. I don't know. And I said, oh, because your voice sounds like someone we know who's deaf. And all of a sudden, all my fear, all my insecurity, everything that I have fought hard not to think, that Satan loves to dangle there, all came to the fore. So a couple of days after that, I was, my mind was running rampant and I was thinking, Oh, great, like, I know that God wants us to go to this church, but now everybody's going to hear my voice and think that I'm either death or that, like, it must be so awful and why would they want to have anything to do with me? This is going to be bad. And so for about two days, I was a wreck. But then God clearly spoke to me and said, I love you. So it doesn't really matter if... Everybody else thinks you're silly and wants nothing to do with you. I, the creator of the universe, love you. And it is only because of that that I'm, I think we would still be here because we felt like God had called us here, but I'd be sitting at the back quietly. None of you would really know my voice. I wouldn't make any effort to get to know anybody unless you made an effort to get to know me. That's the only way I would have got to know you if I'd given in to the fear. But the love of God drives our fear and replaces it with his joy and his freedom to be who God has made us to be. And that is what I want you to know today. And what I want you to know is that if God's love is just head knowledge to you, you are so missing out. The thing that means the most to me is the fact that God loves me because for so long I didn't think he did and sorry for crying, but it is so important for you to know that God doesn't just love you a little bit. God doesn't just love you when you do the right thing. God loves you with a love that is so overwhelming. It drives our fear. Fear has no place. It cannot survive because God's love is all-consuming. The thing is, sometimes though, we still have fear. I've got a list here of some fears that we have. 
So really what I want you to think about is if you know God's love, what fear is holding you back from loving others? It could be loneliness. It could be you thinking, I'm just doing this all by myself. I'm feeling really alone. I can't do it unless there's someone else with me. It might be the amount of time you have to give. Oh, if I, if I start investing in that person's life, I'm not going to have time to do the things I want to do. It's just too con- time consuming. It might be rejection. That's my big one. Rejection by others. It may be a feeling that I'm going to be used. They're going to just soak me dry and leave me hanging and give me nothing back. I'm just going to be used if I love others. And maybe failing. I don't want to love others because what happens if I can't do it correctly? The cost involved. The loss of control. Not being good enough. Getting hurt. That can be a big one. I've been hurt in the past when I've loved others, so I don't know if I want to go there again. It can be not wanting to stand out. I don't want to be the one that loves those ones when no one else is loving them. A loss of independence. Not being loved back. Being ridiculed. The responsibility of actually loving someone. When you love someone, you feel responsible for them and their life and you want the best for them and sometimes it's just too hard to handle. The thing is, knowing God's love should compel us to love others. But that doesn't mean that these things won't happen. If you love someone, you can be ridiculed. I remember many, many times people teasing me about my voice and they just confirmed my fear because they didn't like it and thought it was stupid and didn't like me. Um, All of these things can happen. But what the case is is that we don't love because of what we get back from other people. We should love because God first loved us. And that is the only reason we should love. Not because it makes us feel good, even though it does. Not because we can get something out of it, even though many times we do. But we love because God first loved us. The only reason... um, that these fears cannot rule in your life is if you actually know and understand how much you are loved by God. You can try with all your might to do it yourself. You can read all the self-help books that you get, but nothing is going to take away the fear the way that knowing that you are completely and utterly loved by God is. Today, if you do not know that you are loved by God, if you have any doubt, please, please, I urge you, talk to someone. Come and talk to me. That's my journey. I can share my journey with you. You can share your journey with me. I can show you how you can know for certain that you are completely and utterly loved by God. My hope and desire is that all of you in this room know that you are loved by God. My hope and desire is there's not one of you that struggles with the idea that am I loved by God. I so hope that you know that you are loved by God. The thing is, knowing we're loved by God and then loving others doesn't always flow.
sometimes it takes the saying, I'm going to put aside my fear and do it anyway. I might still be feeling that way, but I'm not going to be dictated by how I feel. I'm going to be dictated by what I know God wants me to do, and he wants me to love others no matter what the cost. And that's not easy. But that is what a disciple is. Not doing the easy thing, but doing what we know God's called us to do. There's a song that I love. Oh, sorry, being misunderstood. I forgot that one. But that can really be a big one. Sometimes we have tried loving someone, but we've been misunderstood and they don't feel like we've loved them. And so we go, well, it's not my fault. I'm just going to give up because they don't get me. No one gets me. So what's the point? But that is, Sorry, I missed that one before. This is a song. It's called Hosanna and it's by Hillsong. And this is just a part in it that I often pray. And what I want us to do is to actually take a... Um, line by line and actually pray this so let me read let's all read it together heal my heart and make it clean open up my eyes to the things unseen show me how to love like you have loved me break my heart for what breaks yours everything I am for your kingdom's cause as I walk from earth into eternity so what I'd love us to do is just to all close our eyes And what I'd love you to do is to pray that God will heal your heart and make it clean. Whatever that fear is that stops you from loving people, give it to God. Ask him to drive it away so that we can be the people that can love how God wants us to love. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Why don't you now just ask God to reveal his love to you more. The more we know God's love, the easier it is to love others. Sometimes we can't see that we are loved by God, but ask God to reveal it to you. And this is a line that always gets me. Show me how to love like you have loved me. And you just pray and ask God to do that. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Let's ask God that we will be people that will have the compassion that he has. That our heart will actually break for people. As I said before, loving as God loves us is not easy. But God wants us to do it anyway. So why don't you just tell him that you will do everything or everything. Why don't you let God know that you will give everything you are for his kingdom cause.
as I walk from earth into eternity. The thing is that this life that we live here, this isn't what it's all about. Eternity is what it's all about. And wouldn't it be great if we can be people in a church that says we loved like you loved. We didn't fear. But we knew your love and we shared your love and there's people in eternity because we loved. God, we want this to be a thing where each one of us knows your love, shares your love with others. God, we want to be a church that heart breaks for what breaks yours. We want to be a church, God, where we love like you love. God, we want to be a church that gives everything we are for your kingdom's cause because that's all that matters, God. God, I just pray that we will be a people who so know we are loved by you that fear or anything else that stops us from loving others pales into insignificance, God, because we know who we are in you. We know that we are completely and utterly loved and that's what drives us. God, we want to claim the verse that we love because you first loved us. We want that to be what we do, God. Not that we love because other people love, not because we love because it's easy, but we love for the simple fact that you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.